0: voice of fintech
1: hello and welcome to voice of fintech africa series i'm rudy Fala, the founder of voice of fintech podcast in this series you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs investors incumbents and ecosystem hub leaders from africa and this episode is hosted by (music) stacy
0: Welcome to The Voice of Fintech, I'm Stacey Jafter and today I'll be chatting with Anisa Amir, Head of Innovation at ApsaLife. ApsaLife offers cover for life, disability or critical illness at competitive prices. In this episode, I chat with Anisa, she tells a story many need to hear, we're so focused on automation and streamlining that we forget the personalized element business needs to succeed. We chat about customer relationship styles, encouraging your kids to think outside the box, and how to get your ideas heard in a corporate setting. Hi, Anissa. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. How's your day going? Hi, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Um, It's such a pleasure. And yeah, it's bright and sunny outside, but uh, still a
0: winter's day, so all good. Completely understand. Yeah, in Cape Town, some days are freezing and then other days it's a summer's day and I'm outside and feeling boiling. So the weather is a little bit confusing. Cape Town's one of those four seasons all in one day, I think, right? <laughs> in one day. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. I want to jump right in. You've spoken at conferences and I've heard from many that your story stands out. I'd love to hear about your journey and how your family influenced who you are today. Thank you so much. I think that's
1: such a huge compliment. So thanks, Stacey. Um, Yeah, just in terms of of family influence. So um, if I take the story back to the year 2000, right, um, everyone was in this panic and and turmoil around Y2K and data being missing Mm -hmm. and um, the bank's not going to give me my money and what do I need to do? Um, But back home, we were dealing with something yeah very very crazy my my dad decided that he wanted to open a business um and he didn't have a degree he didn't have a backing mm-hmm. in terms of this nest egg that we needed to fall on but he had a deep passion and he had this desire to to open a furniture store and and i think he at a very young age knew his purpose you know he wanted to beautify people's homes um he wanted to make them feel comfortable in their homes um, and yeah, I, I guess, you know, just seeing him, we didn't see him often, but seeing how he strived to to make this business a success was just something mm-hmm. for me that will always stand out. And I mean, obviously watching my mom, um, you know, steer the ship and keep the lights on and doing whatever it takes to make us feel secure um, from a financial perspective, whether it was holding down two jobs, whether it was... Um, learning a new skill, you know, she was just amazing in terms of constantly reinventing herself to 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 make ends meet for us. Um, and I think just watching the two of them, a, a male entrepreneur and a female entrepreneur, mm-hmm. if I can call call it that, um, for me has been such a blessing in my life. Um, and and I think it's really shaped who I am. So. I mean when I left school I didn't know what I wanted to become I was 17 I didn't even know who I was right um and I opted to study something in HR um and it just didn't feel like the right thing and and I I've studied I think from the time I've left school up until now I'm still studying um, oh wow and and yeah it it's kind of been that point around um it just doesn't feel right. There's something else. And what is it something else, right? So um I've done HR, I've done process engineering, I've done project management. Um, I then did a BCom in industrial psychology because I looped back to there's something more about the human that I need to understand. Mm-hmm. Um And then I got involved in innovation. And, and I think that's for me where I found my foot. So if I think like innovation is very much um, it's all about the experimentation of stuff and is mm-hmm. something going to work? And in, in my mind, I see it as being an entrepreneur, although it's in a safe space um, like EBSA Bank. Um, it, it's about trying and testing new stuff. And if it doesn't fail, trying something new, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs face in their day to day. I mean, that's their life. That's how they live. Right. It's about exactly. trying new things. Um, if it doesn't work, picking yourself up, trying again um, and having that perseverance and, and actual grit to see things through. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of where I come from has shaped who I am today. So yeah, I mean my dad in his business had uh he wasn't tech savvy, like I mentioned, he didn't have degrees, he didn't have um, he couldn't, if I had to say, you know, put a business case together, he would probably have stared at me blankly and mm-hmm. wondered what I'm talking about. Um but but he had this deep-seated passion just to understand his customers. And I think he dealt with a very low um LSM pace, right? And uh, their houses are very different to to um, what we know normally as as a normal housing structure. So they've got low, rise ceilings. Um, and my dad spent many of his days driving through to these different townships, um, having a look at the houses, mm-hmm. seeing what type of furniture would best for their homes. Um, and I think in doing that, he actually built such. Sincere and authentic relationships with with the people of of these different areas that they relied on him not just on advice um, for furniture or for products but more like from a life perspective you know they, they, mm-hmm. he actually became their friends. Um, if I look back on on his journey, did he always have a passion for people? I think he did. Hey, I think he he was that type of person. I mean, if you ever came to our home, you couldn't leave without having a meal. Um, mm-hmm. You couldn't leave without you know i mean i mean when he was at home we all needed to sit together we all needed to be together um he was a very warm person you know and i think it was not just in how he was at home but he he took his authentic self to his business um and i think that pulls through in in what he was trying to do as well um so if i think back on on his relationships it was never about the next sale it was never about um the profit he was going to make it was always about Am I, is the product I'm giving you fit for what you need? Um, and I mean, the stuff, the 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 furniture that he sold was, was custom, customized to what the actual customer needed, you know? Oh, wow. Um, so he, he, I think he, he, he found such joy and such, uh, such a reward in making people feel comfortable in their homes. You know, um, mm-hmm. it didn't matter that you lived in a room uh, in, in a one bedroom apartment, you know, the fact that you were comfortable and you had something that you could wake up to and it looked beautiful in your home, um, for him inspired him to want to do this more and more for more people. What were your biggest takeaways from your father's customer relationship style? Wow. So, you know, uh, I, I grew up thinking it's all about digital technologies, you mm-hmm. know, and, and him and I would always have these conversations about, why don't you put your company on Facebook? Why don't you, you go in, you know, um, <laughs> Uh, create a website do something online and for him it was my customer needs um are very different from what you're talking about you know uh they come into the shop and it's more like a social visit and they end up seeing something that they like and and if they don't see something that they like we have an amazing conversation and and life goes on you know so i think his his relationships were so real and meaningful um, and authentic uh, he knew every customer by name, you know, and they knew him by name. So they would walk in and ask for him, you know. I mean, I would be there to help on a Saturday and they didn't want to speak to me. They didn't know who mm-hmm. I was. Um, they looked for him. You know, he was he was uh, their go-to person. Um, and I think if, if there's one thing that I can take away from him, and, and I think I find it purpose, purposeful in my job, is about how do you understand your reason for being in the business that you're in, you know, Mm. and um, in the life insurance space, for me, it's about giving our customers comfort that we are there for them, and we will be there for them in tough Mm. times, right, Um, and I think growing up with that mindset of you need to know why it is that you're doing what you're doing, it's been so ingrained in me watching him do that, that um, if I, I think if I ever find myself in a job where that purpose isn't aligned, I'll know it very quickly, just because of of watching him and watching my mom do what they did. It's been very grounding for me to to, to look back and reflect on those life lessons, you know, um, and realize that,
0: that I am where I'm supposed to be. There are so many successful businesses that talk about personalizing customer experiences. I know, for example, Airbnb in their startup phase was going to each house, personalizing their encounter they would go and meet every single new guest and they talk so much about once you start scaling you obviously have to adapt and and change that method but the importance especially in the beginning stages to get to know your customers that's how you learn what they like what they don't like how you can change your business I think that's so important I think you know if if I go back to like a time where he he
1: grew with families so like Mm. if someone was getting married he knew uh, you know, the, the daughter of the house is getting married. How can I help you? How can I jump in? You know, what does she need? Uh, he would out and source stuff. Uh, and, and I would think like, how do you even know this? You know, but it is all through the communications and uh, the meetings that would, he would have with them mm. and, and that real human connection that I think um, as much as we talk about big data and we talk about, you know, 4IR is here, but I, I think it will never replace that human connectedness of, of really, really
0: understanding your customer. And it has so many benefits as well. Like, as you said, if he knew that somebody in the family was getting married, it probably meant that they were moving to a new house. They would need new furniture. So in return, um, it's great for the business. Exactly. Exactly. What would you do differently from the way your father ran the store? And then what do you think you would have done the
1: same? (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I think, um, if I can go with what I would do the same um, first, I think the valuable lessons of human connectedness for me, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's such a strong pillar that I think any business needs to be grounded on. The minute you start appearing to your customers as though you are driving for just a profit, uh, you lose customers. I think Mm -hmm. people vote with their feet, right? And if, if at any time a customer feels as though this is just, you're not doing what's good for me, you're doing what's convenient for you, you know. Um, you'll start losing business. So for mm-hmm. for me that that authentic connectedness is so important. Um and also building your your solutions around what your customer wants, not not what's good for you internally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, often and, and I mean just if I think about different case studies that I've read about businesses that that didn't succeed where um, companies were so internally focused around it makes sense because the process is easier internally this way and they don't realize how much of a burden they're placing on the customer
0: mm-hmm. to fulfill
1: that process. Um, customers of today don't don't look at. Uh, if it's difficult for me to do, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy from you. There's probably a thousand other places I could go to, to get the same thing, you know, from a product perspective. So I think for me, it's about, you know, he, he simplified their journeys to such a point where it was almost like, here's the product, here's a picture. Do you like Mm -hmm. it? Can I order it? You know? Um, And, and I think for them, it wasn't about, they didn't want the digital technology either. They wanted to come in and sit and have the hour-long chat Mm -hmm. with him. Um, It was that social engagement that, for me, I I don't think I would want to take away from my business. I -hmm. want to carry that forward, right? Um, In terms of what I would do differently, um, I I think back on his filing systems and the admin that he had. And for me, I would definitely digitize that stuff. I Mm -hmm. think um, it would give me more time to focus on the human relations so I think digital definitely does have a place to play in today's companies, um, but I think the, the manual stuff, the the things that uh, take up time, the things that are not benefiting the the value to the relationship, I, I would digitize. So um, definitely putting my company on a digital platform that would be the first thing that I would I would do differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad believed otherwise, but yeah, I think all in all. There's a lot that I would take from him, just from the human connectedness and authenticity of who you are uh, in your business, and and that being shown through. Do you think that the younger generation seeks for the same human connection? I definitely think they do, right? But I think it's it's changed from like if I think about uh, if I think about when we when I was growing up, right? There were things mm-hmm. like pen pals and you could write to people and Mm -hmm. it seems like years ago right um and I think kids today still want it so if I look at like kids who are on Instagram kids who who use WhatsApp who who still want to connect with people but just on a different platform you know
0: yeah
1: um so I think that connectedness is there but it's just at a different level um and and I think one of the big things for me and, and something that I'm trying to drive through Imagine Inc is that need for social um social cohesion and and how do kids actually socialize and and learn to work together you know in this world of of digital it's so easy to send a whatsapp but it's so difficult to have a conversation you know mm-hmm. um and i think Kids need to still, that's like one of the future skills that kids still need to have. So in a world where everything can be automated and everything's going to be digitized and careers Mm -hmm. are changing at the pace that they are, I think the one thing that kids need to not lose focus on is the ability to still connect with each other, the ability to, to know how to lead people, how to... Um how to relate to people, how to empathize with people you know um I think that's something that a robot or a machine can't do um and yeah. in making themselves relevant for the future, they need to definitely invest in in wanting to know more about about being connected and learning skills that are uh that bring that out in them, being innovative, being creative um and all of that come, boils down
0: to to being connected to others. So talking about Imagine Inc, this is a business that you have on the side where you help kids with technology and coloring outside the lines what advice do you have for parents that want to encourage their kids to think outside the box Wow so yeah this is thank you very much for this question so i think as a parent myself
1: i i would urge other parents to um i don't know stop trying to raise kids uh, the way we were raised you know i mm. think um or the way our parents raised us because the world that we existed in and the world that that we were growing up in doesn't exist anymore. Uh, kids today are exposed to far different challenges uh, that, that we, that we ever faced in our, in our growing up years. So I think, True. you know, it, it's a different parenting style that we need to adopt. I think um, the other thing for me is don't handicap your kids by making their lives easy. You know, um, as much as this, in, this, instant gratification is here and kids want to be rewarded just for participating in things um i think the real world out there requires us to be so much more resilient you know and when you enter into the working world and this is something that that i've noticed it's almost like um yeah i've got my degree and and i'm done i've arrived and i don't think you you ever arrived right i think there's Mm -hmm. always this the space to learn more and there's always a space to become more and be better, you know? And I think by making their lives easy, we almost, we almost um, make it seem as though, uh, you know, once you've done this, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. that perseverance to always want to be better gets taken away, my opinion. Um, and I think the last thing for me, just if I link it back to imagining, is allow them to be curious and to ask questions. I think our current education system doesn't allow that of them, you know, it's a syllabus and we need as as teachers, we need to go through this. And um, yeah, there's, there's no space to be creative and innovative and problem solve. And, and I think as parents, we need to, to give them that space. And that's why Imagine Inc. was created.
0: I love that. I love that story. Do you want to give a quick elevator pitch on Imagine Inc.?
1: Cool. So um, the startup was born last year. um, And I think for me, it was around the gap that I saw in in the current schooling system, you know, where um, kids are told don't ask questions. We've got we've got a, we've got something we need to finish. Um, you know, it, it's um there's limited time. I need to get through a syllabus and move on. And I think kids grow up with this mindset of okay, I need to just be quiet, learn what the teacher told me to learn, and I'll be fine. And they come into a working world or into a space like like innovation, right? And we say, think outside the box, guys. Be problem solvers. And they're mm-hmm. almost so overwhelmed by that because in their whole learning or. or, or if I can call it learning career, they've been told not to ask questions, not not to uh, be curious, you know, and and for me, imagining was how do we ready kids? I, I don't think they can ever be future proofed. But how do we ready them for what's out there? You know, so equipping them with the skills to be creative. Um, you know, I, I usually go out to um, the, the areas in the Val that um, my dad used to used to immerse himself in um, and tell kids about the fact that these these new careers that are coming up, um, the fact that these new digital technologies like drones and uh, big data and 3D printing exists, you know, and the, the future is just, it has amazing opportunities and possibilities because these technologies are not being communicated to them at the, at, at the schools that they go to. Um, so yeah, part of what Imagining does, we go out, we chat to kids who are who from previously disadvantaged areas, um, and even some of the, the kids who are in just mainstream schooling who, who don't get an opportunity to be exposed to this, um, for them to know about the careers of the future and everything else that the new world is is gonna bring to them in terms of opportunities.
0: That is awesome. And that's really, really incredible. Um, I love that idea. And I think it will definitely open up so many minds. Talking about learning more, you never stopped studying. Where did you get the hunger for knowledge? What has kept you going all these years? How do you find that work-life balance? Hmm, Another interesting question, Stacey. (laughs) Thank you. Um,
1: So yeah, thanks for the question. I think um, I've always been curious, you know, and I love reading I love listening to new ideas, um, specifically ones that can shape what I currently know um, and make me check myself so that I remain relevant constantly. Um, I think if I have to think about, you know, what's kept me going, I've, I've always had an amazing support system um, and I've been surrounded by a really strong woman like my mom, you know, where giving up is not an option. Uh, you finish what you start. You see things through. You you put your whole self in it, you know. Um, and and I think uh, for me that that's been it. It's really been my guiding light, you know, about finding mm-hmm. out who I am and finding what drives me. Uh, Work life balance, wow, Stacey. So I actually don't think it exists. I think it's a myth, right? And okay. I've learned this very late in my life. And and some would disagree with me on this, but um, I've I've gotten to a point where. You almost need to choose your priorities, right? And be very clear on what's important to you. Um, I was always a people pleaser. So any event mm-hmm. I needed, I was invited to, I needed to attend. Um, any um, any ask or errand that I needed to help out with, I was there. And I think at mm-hmm. some point you, you kind of need to pull back um, b- because you will drive yourself insane with trying to balance what it is that you're aiming to achieve or your mm-hmm. goals versus making sure that you are not letting people down um keeping your family together so i think it it's it's kind of i think i got i've reached a point where the honest truth of reprioritizing uh, reprioritizing what's important what's not um is it has become such a reality for me you know where mm-hmm. i almost need to draw up stuff that says um, this is my time. This is what I need to do. What's important versus what's urgent, um, and honestly, managing and checking myself on that so that the important things are always given priority. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, my family comes first. You know, I, as much as my career is important, there, there is that balance between um, making sure that that my, my career gets its attention and my kids get the attention and my family gets its time, but. There's other stuff, if I can call it, like peripheral stuff that needs to be sort of pulled away, you know. And and I think I, I don't know if it's as you get older and wiser you realize this, uh, but yeah, like I've reached this point where where uh, I think if I wanted to be everything to everyone, I I would probably lose my mind.
0: Going off of that, there's this concept that it's think of it as like a triangle. There's health there's career and there's social life all divided, and you can all you can have two of those pieces of the triangle thrive, but always one is going to suffer. Do you agree with that? I don't. Right. So I think. So you think that all three can thrive at the same time? I think they can. Right. Based on your perspective. So mm-hmm.
1: I would. I mean, if I think of like career and family and social, right? Mm-hmm. For me. And, and I've been very particular about what I let into those three spheres, mm-hmm. right? So um, in, in terms of social, there's that that happens. I'm not short of that. My career, my God, gets its focus. I, I love what I do. I'm so passionate mm-hmm. about it. Um, and my family gets the same, right? But I think... I think it's how you balance it and what you see in those different spheres. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like, I mean, if I need to go out every Saturday night and every Sunday afternoon just to make mm-hmm. sure that the social piece is ticked, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to let go of one of the other two pieces, mm-hmm. right? So how do you find that? Um, what And I think every person is different, right? So for me, like um, a monthly check-in with my closest friends who are like – bless them, i not high maintenance at all, it's sufficient <laughs> for me to fill yeah. my cup, you know, like that sure. for me is, is energizing that that's all I need for me to be, to feel like I've had that social, um, we've met one another. I mean, we constantly chat when, as and when we can, but that monthly check-in is, is cool. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's enough, right? Uh, my career, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, my my main focus, right. Because I'm so passionate about what I do. It spills into my, it spills into, mm-hmm. into, into my family. And if I have to be completely honest, I mean, my sons know about everything that I'm doing in Imagine Inc. They're actually involved yeah. in Imagine Inc. because it's both That's incredible. Kids. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, cool. I try to bring them along in this journey just so that they do see mum, they do understand what mom is doing and they are part of it as well. So, so I've kind of integrated the two if i can if i can say that mm-hmm. just so that there isn't a distinct split between between eight and five do not disturb me because i am with my friends between you know mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know it, it kind of just
0: melts together and um i found what works for me so you are the head of innovation at APSA life which is part of APSA bank Traditional banks are stereotypically known for slow processes and being stuck in their old ways. Being in the innovation space, what do you do to get your voice heard and ideas out there? Wow. So sure. This is a, wow. Okay.
1: I love talking about this. Um, thank, okay. so thank you for the question. Um, I think one of the biggest blessings that I've got, Stacey, is I am supported by senior leaders who, who see the value in new thinking um and especially new thinking to come up with or to solve old problems um and, and this is has been uh, so for me innovation is it's not about a platform it's not about um it's not about a process it's about people you know so innovation for me is a big culture drive um mm-hmm. where people need to feel um confident enough to let their voices be heard um and i think uh, for me it it's it, it really has been about um, you know, in, in my space, we actually encourage to challenge processes um, where our managing executive would say, but if that doesn't work in an experimentation framework, um, h- how do we how do we fit it, you know, to make sure that we want to test, we want to experiment, we want to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how do we be open-minded enough um, to create that agility and that flexibility, right? Yeah. Um, and I also think that you know, previously, we always would compare ourselves against other banks or against other insurers. And I think the, the reality that we're facing is it's not them who are our competitors right now. It's also these new fintechs and startups. Right. And I think it's finding a balance between um, how do we how, how do we co-create solutions with them? So we're good at banking, mm-hmm. or we're good at insurance, or we're good at—I mean, any big corporate is good at whatever it does, right? But how do you allow these fintechs and startups to start working together with you to co-create solutions that are that are that make sense to the customer? And again, it comes back to this purpose purpose point around: we don't just innovate for the sake of innovating. Mm-hmm. You know, you innovate to make the customer's life better. Um, and I think when when you have a shared purpose. Um, so if I think about EFSA life, you know, there's there's a shared purpose around what it is that we why we come to work every day, which makes innovation so much easier. You know, um, I think it's also about building a tribe. So it's not about your role. It's not about your um, your designation or your grade or your level or, or whatever you may call it. Right. It's about like minded people who want to take the company forward. Um, and for me, that that's always how I've seen innovation. Um, innovation being commercialized or being pulled through it's by people who want to solve problems you know people who want to make things happen um and 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 yeah it's 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 um it's quite amazing when you see that magic happen and you pull these people together in a room. Right. So common purpose, a tribe, uh, senior leaders who support you, I think that for me is, is important. Right. And while getting ideas out there is, like I mentioned, there's a cultural piece, right. It's not only just about getting ideas out there because ideas are a dime a dozen, but it's also about making those ideas happen. And, and for me, it's, I mean, we've, we've, launched a lot of internal hackathons, external hackathons. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's, there's so many ideas, right. But for me, I think the real reward is seeing that idea reach the end customer. That for me is like, okay, we've made it, you know, it's
0: happened. Going off of that, let's say I'm a young professional in a corporate setting where I feel that my voice isn't being heard or that I'm just struggling to even get my ideas heard. Do you have any advice for somebody like that, wow! So I would say just keep on persevering. And okay. one
1: thing that has, uh, okay, so so this is this is something that I say to all the innovators who enter our competitions. Right? You may have a brilliant idea, but if it's not backed up by data, um, mm-hmm. it kind of loses its own voice if I can call it that right so if you've done customer research and you've got a really good idea and you can back it up with data that says I've tested this idea out with five people or ten people Mm -hmm. um, and this is the impact it's going to have you you kind of I'm going to say not not taken seriously but it kind of adds uh some sort of gravity to what you're saying, you know, because yeah. you've got data to back it up. So just having a good idea is great. I mean, that's your starting point, right? But how do you actually, and I mean, in, in our innovation competitions that we run, we say to the guys, it's not just about having an idea. You need to be able to tell me how you went to put that idea into motion. Into Articulate notion. it, yeah you know, and, and that's when you see the real sparks of creativity being ignited and people thinking differently and not just what their role requires, you know, because you 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 kind of saying to them, be an, I'm mean, going to call it an entrepreneur, right? And mm-hmm. think about if this is your company or your idea is, is your startup, how would you see it through from start to end? Um, and, and it creates such an energy in the team, um, Stacey. So I think for me, I would say it's great to have ideas, but How do you back it up? You know, you you need to believe in that idea so much that you're willing to give up everything for it for other people to believe in it.
0: I love that. Thank you. That was great advice. Thanks, Anissa, so much. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Where can listeners find you and reach you and connect with you? Cool.
1: So, um, thank you very much for having me again, Stacey. This is such a privilege. Um, So, you can follow me on LinkedIn, um, Anissa Amir. Um, or you can follow our Instagram page, Imagine Inc. ZA. Um And yeah, I think just um, good luck to everyone out there. I know lockdown and what's going on in, in the current environment is, is challenging. Um, but yeah, good luck. And thank you to everyone who has listened to this podcast. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com